This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Hello and welcome to you listeners, you fine people with a willingness to learn and contemplate unsavoury truths, always eager to engage in honest if not harsh discussion and to demonstrate an ongoing capacity for introspection. You set a wonderful example for others to follow. Unfortunately, an example that is far too often ignored by the subjects of this podcast's reasonable diagnoses. I'm pretty knackered after four nights away, headlining the Sydney Comedy Festival Showcase events last week. We went to Wyong, Nowra, and it's the Royal before finishing up in my hometown of Canberra at the Canberra Theatre last Sunday night. Pretty good run of gigs, and only one total dead shit among the Two and a half thousand odd people we performed to in total over the four nights. Good old Nara, it'll never let you down. It is an interesting place, Nara. My best mate, his wife and I spent a year living half an hour south of Nara in a lovely coastal town by the name of Huskisson in Jarvis Bay 10 to 15 years ago. Magnificent joint. We hired an old fibro place for 180 bucks a week grew a massive weed plant within the confines of an outstanding veggie garden, mowed in a cricket pitch and had friends visit every weekend from as far away as Sweden and England and from as nearby as Canberra and Sydney, but never from Nowra. Fuck me. We used to do our shopping in Nowra, not because we had to, just because we love the freak show. As a cultured British woman, my best mate's wife had never seen anything like the calibre of reprobate aimlessly wandering the streets of Nara. Every time we drove into South Nara, it didn't matter the time of day or night we saw weirdos walking along the highway. Never looked like they were heading anywhere in particular, carrying plastic bags with other plastic bags inside them. On the outskirts, you're greeted by a sign that says, Nara is a leading seatbelt wearing community. And by the time you've driven through to the other side of town, you're thinking if ever there was a town where you'd encourage the residents not to wear seatbelts, it's fucking Nara. Yes, so from the four gigs, there was just one absolute dead shit in those audiences. I wasn't sure at first if she was mental or drunk. I can tell you that she took up two seats and that her friends were moving away from her. Difficult to do in a theatre, but they managed. She made life for one of the acts in the first bracket particularly hard, and at the time, 
I'm wondering to myself, what the fuck have you got to do to get kicked out of a gig in Nara? Well, I found out the answer to that after the intermission. You've got to vomit in the foyer, which is what she did. And she was swiftly removed from the venue. Uh, we headed to Thrall the next night in a beautiful old theatre. Had lunch at the Scarborough Hotel, which sits up on some cliffs north of Wollongong. Outside, and something quite strange happened, the sun came out. Uh, we opened the umbrella so my bald head didn't get burnt, and we're told that due to OH&S regulations, we couldn't open the umbrella. So it wasn't really an umbrella at all. It's just a stick protruding from a hole in a table. And nanny state strikes again. Staying sober when you've got an entire day to kill on the road can be a challenge. Well, let's be honest, staying sober at any time can be a challenge. But we managed it with a plomb. Went to a pub across the street from the theatre and had three beers and a punt before the show. And sitting there, and this bloke in front of me just drops like a school case in front of us. Didn't stagger or begin to fall, just dropped like he'd been shot. Uh, initially, I can only see him from the back, and I thought he might be an older bloke. Stiff as a board he was, I was absolutely certain he was dead. And obviously, I, I became instantly concerned. I mean, how the fuck were we supposed to go and be funny in an hour when some bloke has just died right in front of us? The nerve. Uh, thank God he started to move. And Some people cope all right in those situations, and others lose their shit. A bit like in a pandemic, I suppose, when some people begin to think they're highly intelligent despite an abundance of evidence to the contrary. Uh, You never know who's going to stand up in these stressful situations. And I remember going on a uh, fishing trip once and one of the young blokes was seasick all day and eventually it got the better of him and he was vomiting that hard that he fell unconscious on the deck of the boat. And the biggest alpha male amongst us who was first aid trained and all, he, he completely shit himself, started screaming clueless what to do. So I just passed him a beer, walked over and kicked the passed out kid in his lower back, immediately bringing him back to life. Calmness under pressure. Thankfully, no such manoeuvre was required this time as the kid in Thoreau came to of his own volition. Uh, We were throwing suggestions around as to what had caused his uh, collapse, epilepsy or diabetes. Then I took one look at his face and how his mates weren't concerned at all and realised he'd fainted because he was as stoned as fuck. What a lightweight. It's not always a good idea to leave the house when stoned. You never know when you might have a whitey or green out. First time I ever smoked weed was when when I was in college. I freaked out and went and hid under a four-wheel drive in a car park in Canberra. Back in the days where they were dirt car parks. And I reckon the only person more freaked out than me was the woman who reversed the car and realised some white-faced kid had been cowering under it. Even when you're older, it can catch you. After watching the 2016 AFL Grand Final, I was stupid enough to accept the offer of a, a joint after having consumed 10 schooners in even time. There must have been some of that hydroponic shit. I mean, of course that stuff's going to mess with your head. It spent its entire life in a fucking cupboard under fluorescent lighting as its only life force. You'd be mental too. All that hydro shit is good for is creating conspiratorial anti-vaxxer dickheads. Within 10 minutes I ran out of this pub in Bondi Junction, dry retching, and I had to go and lie down under the Sid Einfeld overpass for an hour. Couldn't move an inch. Terrible stuff. 
Which reminds me of the Big Chief, one of the very best men I've ever met. He uh, he fell out of a tree about five years ago. It's okay, he's not a weirdo, he's an arborist in country Victoria. He's not a grown man who climbs trees for fun. Uh, he messed himself up real bad when he fell out of this tree. He broke and dislocated all sorts of shit, shoulders, wrists, hips, and was finally able to drag himself to his phone and uh, rang an ambulance, and they got him into hospital, and as soon as he was suitably wasted on painkillers, he got the nurse to wheel him out the front of the hospital so he could have a smoke, and luckily for the big chief, he'd had his bum bag attached to him when he fell out of the tree. Always forward planning, is the big chief. So the nurse has lit this smoke for him because his arms and legs were pretty much next to useless at the time. Uh, The big chief decides it's best if he moves away from the front of the hospital, because the smoke is actually a joint. He starts rocking himself, the idea being he'll move a few metres away. But unexpectedly, he begins to roll and soon realises that he's on a steeper slope than first thought and he's tearing towards a major road. Unable to use his arms or legs to stop himself and with a doobie hanging from his gob, the big chief can see the lights of buses and trucks coming along the road, things that he's very likely to collide to. He shut his eyes and begins to hope the end will be painless. When out of nowhere, some absolutely maggoted bloke who'd been staggering home along the road from the pub saw this wheelchair flying towards certain calamity and he came to his rescue. Fucking magnificent. Make of that what you will. The big chief lives. Be careful over Christmas, people. Okay, first hobby for the week. And of course, as we are each week, you're going to be accompanied, have some auditory accompaniment from a couple of cockatiels. And a dog that may well barge in at any given moment. We wouldn't have it any other way. No kids today. They're on their last day of school, which is a shame. Uh, This hobby appears annually. Uh, It's by request from my old footy mate Bug Eyes, who's now an artist and poet who lives about 700 kilometres east of Darwin. He messaged me last week saying, I've got a suggestion for you. Christmas front yards parents who go sick on it dressing their houses full of christmas shit i'm not sure whether i'm embarrassed for them or think there's a psychopath lurking inside and it scares me anyways i thought there might be a wealth of material for you to take the piss you're absolutely right there bug eyes sadly there is a wealth of material and you've every right to be scared overzealous christmas decorating a seasonal hobby that so many people are just taking way too fucking far. But guys, as you know, as do most other listeners by now, I've got fuck all sense of occasion. I resent being told what to do or when to feel good or enjoy myself. I'm perfectly capable of working those things out for myself. I remember uh, this fascination with decorations probably started several moons ago when we both lived in Canberra. Uh, And on numerous occasions, I was asked by friends and family, would you like to go and have a look at the Christmas lights in certain locations where they were common? And depending on who asked me, I would respond with either fuck off or no. In the most unlikely of coincidences, people who get fanatical about decorating their houses at Christmas seem to live in streets where almost everyone else is equally as fanatical. What are the chances of that, hey? Either that... Or there is some serious passive aggression, competitiveness and status anxiety that goes on in the streets of middle Australia. 
Most of the neighbours don't even speak to each other, but when one gets a new car, so does the other. Same with renovations, swimming pools, Christmas lights, and probably divorces too. Until I had kids, I couldn't have given less of a fuck about Christmas. It was just another time to party and some time off work. In fact, so much did I dislike Christmas. At one point, one of my favourite days of the year was Boxing Day. And not because it's the day that all the smarmy rich pricks in their polo shirts start sailing in the Sydney to Hobart, or not even because the Test Cricket is on, nor because of the sales. I mean, what sort of misguided lunatic spends all of December pretending to understand the beauty of love and family, only to queue up salivating like a hyena outside a department store at 6 o'clock in the morning on Boxing Day? Though I must say, I do enjoy seeing those very fuckwits having their dopey faces crushed against the glass at David Jones and being screamed at by other lunatics as they fight each other over $3 pillows. But no, mainly I love Boxing Day because the lie, pressure and contrived happiness of Christmas is over. On Boxing Day, I used to go to the pub, drink, gamble and watch cricket whilst attempting to slowly regain my sanity. But now that I'm married with kids, I take the kids to the beach, then go to the pub and drink, gamble and watch cricket. I love Christmas now that I've got young kids. I even let them have a small plastic tree. Uh, Lou and I buy them tons of shit so they learn the ropes of capitalism and they love us a little bit more for an extra couple of days. We have lunch with family and friends then spend the next week saying how we'll never buy them so much shit ever again because they don't appreciate it, use it, need it and it's terrible for the environment and that children are still starving in Africa. I mean, I can't name one, but I'm sure they are. But this over-the-top decorating, what a gratuitous display of decadence. Uh, The people who do this encapsulate what this podcast is about as well as any other group of self-deceiving hobbyists who mistakenly confuses passion for denial. Some of these abnormalities don't even have kids. I assume they're the same sort of blokes who have model train sets in their garages, who, because they never get to show their trains off, because, well, who the fuck is going into a grown-up's house who has a model train set without protection? Uh, They put a lighting display on for everyone to see how wonderfully talented they are. Fuck knows how much electricity they use. And the beauty of these community-minded people is that they're the sort of people who attach themselves to anything. They then do Earth Hour without even so much as recognising the hypocrisy. And for the sake of fuck, we don't even have chimneys on our houses, let alone snow. Uh, Where I now live has always been a Christmas decorating hotspot that I've managed to avoid. But the other night, Lou ambushed me when we were driving home from somewhere and it was already night time. So there we were driving through the streets of Matraville and Chifley in Sydney and to be fair it was quite impressive in the same way that the Twin Towers falling down was impressive. It doesn't mean it's good, it just makes you go wow. Uh, The kids couldn't have given less of a fuck. They were bored after the first house so they took to punching each other across the back seat and Jesus Christ I was proud of them. But if decorating your house to the nth degree is your thing and People is equally devoid of genuine inspiration driving past your house makes you feel better about yourself. Good for you, you fucking loser. On to a relatively recent phenomenon now, another Christmas one, celebrity video messages. Jesus fucking Christ. The bottom of the barrel, it's fucking deep. 
How sad would you have to be to get one of them as an adult? I guess almost as sad and desperate for cash and an ego boost as you'd have to be to film and send one. If anyone ever gets one of those for me, I'm never speaking to them again. I wouldn't even get one for my kids, who are the people who should want them. Thank God so far my kids are just interested in themselves and haven't expressed the need to have heroes. Brilliant. Depending on how washed up the celebrity, depends on how little you pay. But if you want to live vicariously through the life of someone who was once good at, say, kicking a football, but he's now a washed-up overweight alcoholic who's experiencing difficulty paying their bills, then why not get someone a Christmas video greeting? And then have a fucking good look at yourself. These are the same sort of blokes who line up salivating to have their photo taken with sports stars a third of their age at sportsmen's lunches. Yet weirdly, any bloke who does the same thing in Thailand is labelled a fucking pervert. Grow up. You can get a message from Paul Mercurio for 26 bucks. He's the cheapest. And I'd reckon that after the middle man, woman or they, them takes their cut, Mercurio would be lucky to get 20 bucks. There's, I'm not sure what she used to be, but Tanya Zaeda for 40 bucks. Former cricketer Mike Whitney for 30 or retired AFL player Brian Lake for 65 In the upper markets, you can get a message from leading epidemiologist Dane Swan for $134. You can even get one from that pillar of the community, Sam Burgess. Thank fuck Ivan Malat's dead. Uh, some of these people, these so-called celebrities, have committed such atrocities that you wouldn't shake their fucking hand, let alone accept Christmas wishes from them. Wrong number, fuckheads. I looked at the comedians list and I'm pleased to say that I've only worked with two on the list in my 12 years in the game and they're both creepy narcissists. Uh, The others, well, let's just say they identify as comedians but aren't even close to being anywhere near the comedy circuit in Australia. I have no idea how that works either. But at least I know what I'm getting my mate from the Mid-Flight Brawl podcast, Luke Haggy, for Christmas. He's going to fucking love it. I got a message last Friday night from avid listener, Andrew Toy. Now, Toy's he's a rare individual. He was once an AFL Canberra umpire. He's now a cyclist, a lycra-clad one at that. But somehow, despite those severe impediments, he still manages to be a fucking good bloke who can laugh at himself. He's so loyal that he listens to each episode of Your Hobby Shit twice to make sure he doesn't miss anything. And I just hope he does it from separate IP addresses so the numbers still count. Anyway, I received a message from him Friday night saying, I hope you're watching Channel 7 News right now. Obviously, I'm as much chance of watching Channel 7 News as I am of being able to recite a chapter of Mein Kampf. But I responded politely, telling him that I was on the way to performing for 600 people, so was otherwise occupied. But I did ask why he wanted to know if I was watching Channel 7 News. It turns out that stand-up paddleboarders are being fined for not wearing life jackets. You see, I would have missed that, and that's why it's important to have you people out there keeping your fingers on the pulse for me in the unlikely event that I should miss an opportunity to rip into some shit hobbyists. But seriously, why would you bother finding a stand-up paddleboarder for not wearing a life jacket? Firstly, if they drown, who's going to miss them? I mean, even family members would be unlikely to notice that someone so boring had departed well until the bill stopped being paid. And secondly, and more importantly, stand-up paddleboarders, they're already dead inside. 
They're just waiting for their bodies to catch up to their souls, or where their souls should be. Good on you, Toysie. Thanks for that one. Just got back from Coogee Beach for my second round of recording for this episode. Huge waves, water was a great temperature, and surprisingly again, the sun's still out. Now, I saw this dickhead down there. He had a long sleeve black swimming vest on, and emblazoned across the front was Team Tony Robbins. Fucking yuck. On the back, it said, we change people's lives. And that's hard to argue with, because Tony Robbins and his sycophants, they do change people's lives. Tony Robbins makes vulnerable people poorer. He makes their world smaller by convincing them to focus on financial wealth, something any psychopath can accrue. It's truly awful, deceptive stuff. If you're so inclined to believe that the positive thinking self-help industries are anything other than money-making juggernauts that exploit anxieties that are experienced by each and every human with a conscience on earth, then your chances of being hoodwinked into attending a seminar where everything from your movements and thoughts to the temperature of the room you're being brainwashed in are controlled to ensure you part with more money are very fucking good. A shallow fucking fraud. Even that he blatantly says that The more these wannabe real estate agent types pay, the happier or wealthier they will become doesn't turn these shallow losers off. Anyone who trusts a charming snake oil salesman with a cartoonishly square jaw like his might as well join a fucking cult. Okay, victim of the week time now, folks. I've noticed a lot of people are getting in early with their social media Christmas posts. You know, those ones that no one asked for. Anyway, it turns out that simply wishing people a good time over the festive period isn't quite enough these days. You now have to subtly, or otherwise, depending on how much of a self-pitying twat you are, portray yourself as a victim when you're doing these Christmas greetings. Incidentally, these are the sort of fuckwits who will next year spend a fortune on Tony Robbins seminars and will be sanctimonious twats by this time next year. For example, it's important to explain that you've overcome some hurdles this year. Have you? Did you fucking die of COVID? Was your house flattened by a hurricane? Couldn't you afford enough cocaine or Botox to make your problems go away? Have you ever known anyone to have a perfect year, much less think they're entitled to have one? What do these fuckwits want from life? Not life, obviously. Fuck off. Lower your expectations, you whinging assholes. And a very late addition. Another victim of the week has just come to my attention. They've been quiet lately, so you knew when the shit hit the fan, it was going to be a big shit. Good old rugby league. Very quiet recently, but former rugby league player and perpetual man-child Brett Finch has just been arrested and charged with five counts of use, service, transmit or publish or promote child abuse, and he will appear at Sutherland Local Court on January 11. Allegations at this point... Undoubtedly, Finch will be the victim here. Well, he already is because he's been charged. But my guess is it'll be, I don't know, a school-age girl that he was chatting to or, you know, I thought she was 18, he'll pull that one out. Or, more than likely, it'll be the black dog made me do it. This is a big problem with the perception of mental health in Australia. It's worth remembering that probably 95% of people aren't fuckheads when they suffer from mental illness. Uh, Unfortunately, we only ever seem to read about the 5% who are 
who are celebrities or sports stars and obviously have to find a reason to explain their entitled shitty behavior and they attach it to their mental health. But just remember, the vast majority of people are suffering with dignity. And these fuckwits make it really difficult for everyone else. One thing of which you can be certain is that he won't say, I've been a piece of shit my entire adult life and I'm guilty. They never do. Finch played for four NRL clubs during his career, which straight up gives you some insight to his character. Uh, He's the sort of bloke that it's said about at footy clubs all around the country. Oh, he's much loved by teammates, which basically means he's a scatterbrained fucking idiot, but he's always smiling, which makes it really hard to be pissed off with him, even though he lets you down repeatedly. These blokes are also often described as the life of the party and a good bloke when sober. Neither means anything of actual substance pertaining to the decency or otherwise of a person. Only recently, Finch opened up about his struggles on a podcast saying his rock bottom was being sacked by Channel 9 in 2016. Well, I've got news for you, Finchy. If you thought rock bottom was being sacked by a shitty commercial television network for being a tool... You better come up with a brand spanking new descriptor that defines about 10 miles fucking deeper than rock bottom because you're going to need it if anyone ever wants to put you on their podcast ever again. Again, allegations at this point, but it does make me wonder why the poster boys for mental health are always completely fucking useless cunts. Okay, it's uh, that time for me to move on, people. Big day today. Got a, uh, a gig tonight in Strathfield. I don't know where. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm doing my own show at Seeking Serendipity Bar Restaurant in Milton on the south coast near Ulladulla. I think there's tickets left for that. Two shows, solo shows of mine with my mate Chris Ryan on Friday night in Canberra, Gorman House. And I think there's a couple of tickets left there as well. I've got no idea what happened last week, but the listenership increased by 30% overall for the week. I don't know how that happens. Just when I was thinking, God, I'm so busy. Do I have time to continue doing this, even though I enjoy it? Uh, So keep up the good work. Share it around, particularly over Christmas, when everyone's sick to death of their families and will need something to distract them from the feelings of anger and resentment they have. And I'll maintain my interest and enjoyment in doing the podcast. Keep the suggestions coming too, uh, because they are very helpful and often inspiring. Uh, But you know the rest. I'm Sean Woodland, and your hobby is shit. Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well? I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it. Or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast, I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor and complaints handler at Your Hobby is Shit. Holy fuck, you can get vouchers for those celebrity video messages. I reckon they'd sell more if they depicted the character of the celebrity honestly, you know, 
Brett Finch could do one from a primary school. Sam Burgess banging some Colombian nose candy up his snout. Tim Payne could get his custard launcher out. And Ron Lake could try and say the alphabet without fucking up. Oh, God help us.